Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Well, I hope Texas. you have enjoyed the series that we have been walking through for the last uh, couple of weeks called What's Next? I really enjoy personally every single uh, year just in my own personal studies. I-, I love studying coming into the Easter season and really projecting myself into the scriptures, what it must have been like, what the disciples must have felt, that type of thing. And as you read the scriptures, I hope uh, that you do make them come alive inside of you and really project yourself in there. There's so much more than just the black and white uh, of the page. There's so much behind uh, the actual word, so much more to the story. And I hope that you uh, have a very inquisitive spirit when it comes to the relationship we have with God. You know, we're supposed to have faith like a child and kids ask lots of questions, right? Do you remember uh, some of you that have young kids, the different phases when they come into the why phase? Remember the why phase? How old is that? Is that like four, five, the why? And, and just because I told you so, kid, right? But you, and, and it just keeps going, why? When the rabbit hole gets deeper and deeper. Uh, we need to have, that's a beautiful part of the faith like a child that God welcomes and embraces is for us to want to know more, want to understand more, seek uh, to, to know him at a deeper level. He loves those why questions, and there's never a question. See, some people feel like that uh, God, you don't approach God on an intellectual level, you approach him on a spiritual level, and the reality is, is that God is not afraid of your intellect, Right? You may have a really good score on the SAT. He's not impressed, right? He's, he knows all things. He's omniscient. So it's important for us to understand that Jesus actually said this, to love the Lord with all of your mind. See, that's something that we leave out. Love the Lord with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. That it's good for us to engage God on an intellectual level, too, right? You don't want to only, people can get stuck there and they never move past the things they cannot understand in their finite minds when we're talking about an infinite God. But it's important that we do allow ourselves to go there because God is not moved by your questions. He's not moved by your fits. He's not moved by your bad days. He's not moved by, by your bad seasons of life. He loves you so much, and he walks you through every season. If you could read parts of my journal that were my journey, walking through my faith crisis when my daughter was dying, it Parts of it did not look like a Christian. You would not think they were prayers. There were lots of words in there that you would not think were holy words, but I was in crisis, and I was dealing with things, and can I tell you that God can handle your humanity, and he'll meet you where you are, and when you're at your lowest, when you're at your lowest, he's got you, amen? Today, I want to talk specifically about understanding salvation, Understanding salvation. There's so much more to this word saved than meets the eye. Now, I uh, started Googling some different things um, a a few weeks ago, and I ran across a string of videos called Dad Saves. Have you ever seen these videos like on YouTube, Dad Saves? 
dads apparently have these cat-like reflexes that no one knows about until there's an absolute crisis that's about to happen. And you can go on and watch these dad saves, and it's literally like dad has the kid, and he's walking on a pony, and there's three kids on the pony, and one of them falls off, and somehow, without even looking, dad snatches the kid out of the air and catches, and the kid's head swings past, uh, you know, helping the kid go on a little, you know, one of the little cars, and all of a sudden, the kid's going down a hill toward a tree, and dad somehow runs down the hill and catches, and right as the car goes to flip, catches their kid and snatches them out of the air. Unbelievable. You could watch dad saves for hours, and it might redeem how you feel about men. They're, they're, I mean, it might. It just might, right? Because uh, there are these miraculous moments. Well, I've had a couple of, of those. I had a moment with my oldest, Sydney, when she was um, about three, she started getting pretty gutsy. She hit that phase where she liked to climb up on things and then jump off. And we were at church on a Sunday, and she climbed up onto the first step and jumped off. And I was talking and kind of watching out of my peripheral, and she was jumping and having a good time. And then she went to the second step and then jumped off of that, and I'm still talking and watching. And then she goes to the third step, and I got a little nervous when she went to the third step. And, and I'm just, I'm still talking in the middle of conversation, but she jumps and when she goes to jump her little sandal clipped the edge and instead of getting her legs and feet underneath her like this she pitched forward face first from the third level and I'm in the middle of a conversation out of the corner of my eye I see it happen and it was like matrix right it, it was like this this I don't know how I did it but literally it was like ooh and I I I caught her face right before it hit the ground now she still hit the ground so it wasn't too miraculous, but I, but I protected the face, right? The moneymaker. You got to protect the face. So, so, so that was my moment, right? When you're just, you're like, how did that even happen? How did I do that? Well, I, I've had other dad safe moments that didn't go so well. I mean, I had what I would call the duckling incident happened uh, at our, in our alleyway behind our house. In Plano, you know, the houses, they have alleys, and, and we were pulling out, and Blakely, again, was probably four or so, and there was a mama duck with about three or so little ducklings, and she was walking back and forth right in front of a sewer grate behind her house. And I'm driving past with Blakely, and I'm like, look, Blakely, there's duckies, and I just see the mama walking back and forth, back and forth, and my intuition goes off that there must be something wrong. I'm gonna pull over, I'm like, Blake, let's go see what's going on. And sure enough, there were three or four duckies outside, but there were three or four duckies that had fallen down into the metal down into the sewer and that about three or four foot below. So I'm like, this is my moment. This is, I get to show my daughter that, that I'm such a hero, right? And I pull up this metal grate, right? This, cause they're heavy, man. And I scrape it over and I climb down into the sewer and I'm in there rescuing baby duckies and everything's going wonderful. And my daughter is watching. And then as I go to get out, I turn around and I slam my head into the metal of the sewer so hard that I said something in front of my four-year-old daughter that should not be said in front, shouldn't be said anywhere. Now, this is six or seven years ago, and I am much more holy now than I was in that moment. Come on, and it was this moment that could have been so great, except dad's a human being, and dad botched this moment, and I'm pretty sure she forgot that word, I hope so. Um, if not... Um, Father, in the name of forgiveness, no, right? We have these moments, but here's the deal. We have a heavenly father 
who his, his, his God saves are flawless. They're perfect. And, and your heavenly father has the ability to do miraculous things to reach you. And I know there are so many times where we have felt like maybe some of us were too far gone. I know I've had the opportunity to minister and speak to people that felt like there's no way God could ever forgive them for what they have done. They're too far down the road. They're too far off the path. And I tell you that God has the ability, God's saves are so powerful, there's no sin you could, you could sin that's too far for him. There's no price that, that he was not willing to pay. He gave his only son to live and then to die and then to rise again, to ascend into heaven, and he's coming back again. And I wanna read you today, actually, is the week that this coming Thursday is called Ascension uh, Day. Does, do any, any ex-Catholics? Or any current, you can be a current, current, current Catholic. We're welcome here, current Catholic. We love that. Um, we, but, but Ascension Day is something that is celebrated in the Catholic Church, and they literally have a feast, and they celebrate when Jesus ascended into heaven. That's this week, right? And this is a moment I'm going to read to you from this passage, because all of our salvation is connected into this specific passage, and I want you to see it. This is Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is right before Jesus ascended into heaven. And Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is known as the great commission. We all have a mission God has called us to go on, and this is it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Creature. Now, that word creature means every living thing. Some people have gone as far as to think that their animals can get saved. We had someone ask one time if their dog could be baptized because their dog understood the salvation message and had received the Lord. And so we said we do believe that all dogs go to heaven. Amen. But... Because of health issues, we're not able to allow your, you can baptize your dog at home. Now, this is an interesting verse to some people. This is talking about all of God's creation. Jesus did die for all of the cosmos, it says, to set the whole world straight. But when we're talking about salvation, we're talking about coming to faith, believing, and being baptized is what this says. And it's about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It says that he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, uh, again, is it important to be water baptized? Absolutely. It's an important thing. It's very valuable. It represents uh, a true dying of pride, right? For us to be willing to go into a tank of water in front of people, come out looking like a wet cat, and, and, and that's a death of pride. You're aligning yourself with Christ in his death, and then you are being resurrected with him in, his, in your new life. The old man remains dead. The new you comes out. It's a beautiful, powerful thing. But there are a couple different types of baptism. There is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there are actually even different words for baptism. And this word right here is the word baptizo. Baptizo. In the Greek, there are two words, baptize and baptizo. And the way that I learned to understand the difference between the two is because I was studying one time in an old commentary that was a couple hundred years old, and it actually had in it a reference of an ancient recipe that was written in Greek, and it was a recipe for making pickles. 
And I love pickles. Anybody else? Pickle anything, especially the spicy pickles. Oh, my God. So anyway, I, this, this specific passage was, or this recipe was describing pickles and the process. And it said you take the vegetable, the cucumber, the carrot, the jalapeno, whatever you're pickling, and you put it in the solution and you baptize it. You immerse it under the solution. And then you leave it there until it's baptizo which is the word used in this passage. Baptizo is different than baptize. Baptize means to go into the solution fully under the water of the solution. Baptizo is the result when you've been in that solution so long that it permeates all of who you are and you can never go back again. That's baptizo. See, some of us, you know, we've seen people that they get saved and they come in and they have an experience and it's a flash in the pan and they're back and they're, and they're out and we question, did it really work? But there are, there are others of us who have experienced something where we understand, look, a cucumber at any given moment can become a pickle, but a pickle can never go back. You understand? And some of us understand and we have this, uh, this revelation of what God has saved us from and how he has restored our lives and we can never go back. Amen. Do you understand that? There is a place that you come into where the Holy Spirit permeates your life and changes you so much so that you can never go back to who you used to be. You can never go back to how you used to live. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about being forever changed by the relationship you have, by being immersed in the Holy Spirit, in the presence of God. That's a powerful and beautiful thing. Amen. But he who does not believe will be condemned, it says. And watch, this is all part of the Great Commission. And these signs will follow those who believe. See, a lot of churches don't preach this part. They, they give the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes will be saved. Whoever doesn't believe will be condemned. And they stop right there. And they cut Jesus off. Jesus is still talking. And they're like, shh, no, no. Jesus is still speaking. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Who is the subject? People who believe the message, the creatures that believe the message of the gospel going forth. Whoever believes and is baptized or forever changed will be saved. And these signs will follow them that believe. Watch. In my Name. What did we talk about last week? We talked about the power of the name of Jesus. The five most powerful words that changed the world forever. In the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus himself said. In my name, in my character, my authority, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is what Jesus said would be the normal signs that followed people who believed in him and were baptized forever changed. That it would be a lifestyle, this salvation experience. When God saves you, he doesn't only save you spiritually to go to heaven one day when you die. 
He saves you completely in every way, shape, and form and gave a list of things to give you reference for the types of ways that your salvation would empower you to live differently for him on this earth. I'm going to stretch some of you today. Is that all right? Say stretch. So then after the Lord had spoken, he was received up into heaven, right in front of their eyes. He ascended into heaven, and they saw him sit down at the right hand of God. This is John Mark writing this, this uh, eyewitness encounter. And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word uh, through the accompanying signs. So watch this. Everywhere they went, they preached the word of God. They preached Jesus, and the Lord proved their message through the accompanying signs. The signs were following those that believed. Why are signs important? Why is power important? Come on, guys, we have entire sections of the Christian church. Uh, my attorney uh, calls it the parade of horribles. This is what he calls it. He, and, he, and he says, you get saved, and then life stinks forever. You suffer, and you abstain, and everything goes. And this is literally how he grew up in faith, going from kind of a, a Catholic-type upbringing, and then into a, a Baptist-type, and, all, and all, again, all churches all churches are God churches. All denominations are God's denominations. God is in all of them. He uses all of them. Certain, certain ones of them can get off and teach things that are really horrible. And, and they can misrepresent the loving father that Jesus came to introduce us to. Because a loving father pulls rabbits out of his hat to rescue. Doesn't say, I can't wait to see how much you suffer so that you can earn your salvation. That's not the loving father Jesus introduced us to. And there are different churches that have gotten off, different denominations, that because of, of not being able to explain why bad things still happen to good people, they change the doctrine of Jesus. They change the teachings of Jesus. And they teach things, and they teach a lifestyle that was different than the original lifestyle demonstrated by Jesus and his disciples that we're supposed to walk in. Jesus literally said, if you don't believe my words, if you don't believe the prophecies that were written by my Father, then at least believe the miracles you've seen me do. If Jesus needed the demonstration of the power of salvation to convince his audience, then so do you. You're not going to be more successful than Jesus using less than he used. That's why Jesus said these signs will follow them that believe. He actually went on to say that those that believe in me will do the things that I've done and even greater things. But why do we as the church leave all of this to someone else? Oh, well, maybe that preacher or maybe that pastor or, oh, you know, I, I want this person to, to get saved. I'll bring them to church. Good, please do. But guess what? Salvation lives in you. Well, this person needs to get healed. Will you pray for him, pastor? Sure, I'd love to. But salvation lives in you. It's the same Holy Spirit. The only difference is a light switch. 
coming on and, and, and us understanding that we carry what they carried. It's not expired. It's for today. Miracles still happen. So what are these signs? Casting out demons. Have you ever dealt with real demons in your life? You ever had someone in your life that you were convinced had demons? Don't elbow them. They might be sitting with you. There's real demons. Jesus would cast out demons. Jesus was so powerful, he'd walk in places and the demons would recognize him and freak out because they knew him. And his disciples walked in that. It says that we would, if we believed in him, we would speak in new tongues. Jesus, and you, you can look, in, in a couple weeks, it's Pentecost Sunday. The, the most famous place where people spoke in the Bible in these other Tongues that were languages of this earth and heavenly languages as well. The Bible describes all of these different languages that you can speak in tongues of angels. And what are they for? They're for divine communication. Because you're at war, y'all. Did you understand that? You're at war. You have an evil enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And anybody, for, we're here on Memorial Day, anybody that understands anything about the art of war, the number one thing you do is disrupt communication. Number one thing you do, if you want to win in a battle, you disrupt communication. You take out their comms. If you take out comms, they've got no backup. And that's why the enemy is so against this gift of tongues is because he understands that if you develop that supernatural communication that, that was given to you by Jesus himself and described to you by Jesus himself, that you could have supernatural communication, tongues and prophecy and interpretation of those prophetic tongues that you could have an understanding of God's mind and spirit and have heavenly wisdom to work in your earthly life, if he can keep you from knowing that and ever walking in that, he can win the war. That's why it's the most, listen, if you want to run people out, it's risky for me to talk about this because it's the number Two thing. Talk about money, people will leave. Talk about tongues, people will leave. Leave those two things alone, you can, alone, you can just build a great big church. But I'm not the kind of pastor that's going to skip over stuff in the Bible that Jesus taught. Right? And it's okay. It's okay if people aren't quite there yet. If you don't have the faith to become a tither or a giver yet, that's okay. That's where you are right now. I, our prayer is that you would grow in your faith and you would come to learn and understand the radical blessing when you become radically generous and you live your life to give and give and give and give and you realize that the more you give, the more you receive and it's this unbelievable cycle that you get to be a part of incredible generosity and blessing in the earth. I pray you do come to that type of faith. I pray that you do come to the type of faith where you can muster up the confidence to hear what God is 
saying and say what you've heard him say. It's a terrifying place, but it's so powerful when you learn to have that type of faith or even to give just completely, let, let all reason go and believe that God has given you a language that you can pray in that's supernatural and you can literally begin to feel the physical power of God charging your body. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Jesus' brother Jude said that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you build up your most holy faith. It's one of the most powerful things you can do to charge up your faith. And Jesus talked about it. It's okay if you're not ready. Just don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. He went on to say that they would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. That physical healing would be a sign of salvation. Something important for us to understand and believe. Anybody here know someone that needs healing? Anybody need healing? Come on, Jesus paid for it. Does bad stuff still happen? Yeah. Do diseases still exist? Yes. But if Jesus was in this room and you wanted to come to him for healing, would he heal you? Absolutely. He healed every single person. In fact, his healing, the salvation power of Jesus to heal was so powerful that once that lady figured out all she had to do was touch the hem of his garment, and when the word got out on that, everybody had to touch Jesus. They literally, one passage says that they just, they knew if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And they literally were physically crushing Jesus. And he had to slip off into a boat and kick out into the water because they would have crushed him to death. Because they knew if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And every single person that touched him got healed. Healing is an innate part of salvation. It always has been. When the Israelites for 40 years were in the wilderness, they never got sick. Their clothes didn't even wear out. Their shoes didn't. 40 years, the same pair of shoes. Some of you ladies can't make it a season without getting rid of them because you're going to have to get new ones for next season. 40 years, same shoes. That's like a curse. You're like, "Mm mm-mm, devil. (laughs) Supernatural provision was a part of salvation. See, Jesus is the picture. He's the the picture of Moses, the deliverer that rescued out of slavery. That's Jesus. Rescued us out of the slavery to sin, where the penalty was death. But then he goes on and he says something strange, stranger than, than speaking in languages you don't know and laying hands on sick people and casting demons out of people. Those are strange things. That's why people don't want to touch this. It's strange. A lot of questions. Don't understand how it works. Can't wrap our brains around it and put it into a commentary. And, 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 and it just, it's easier just to leave it alone. But then he talks about picking up snakes and, and drinking deadly things. And it won't hurt you. And I want you to understand that this is not something where you now go and start playing with snakes and drinking poison to prove. Because Jesus himself said, you do not put the Lord your God to the test. When Satan wanted him to step off and uh, jump off of the, t- of the temple and fall to his death and say, hey, the angels will catch you because that's what the scripture says. The devil, you understand the devil used the Bible against Jesus? 
And Jesus used the Bible right back, said, thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. This isn't about intentionally putting yourself in danger to test God. This is about finding yourself in danger and having authority over it. That's what this is. That's good news. That's a part of your salvation, that you have authority over danger. You have authority over things that should naturally harm you, should naturally hurt you. There's a story in the Bible where Paul was, was picking up and he was on an island and, and I don't remember if they were cannibals, but they were pagans and, and none of them believed and they were literally were in danger for their life. And Paul reaches in, he's picking up firewood and a snake jumps out, a deadly viper and latches onto his hand. And he, he literally shakes it off into the fire and keeps working. And all of the villagers knew what kind of a snake there was that, that, that was there and knew that that snake is deadly and that dude is a dead man, period. And when he didn't die, they believed he was a god. So the miracle that Jesus described of deadly things like snakes or poison, and it did not harm you, resulted in the actual king of that island brought his servant or or a child, and the Lord, and, and Paul healed that person, and the result was they brought everybody who was sick, and everyone got healed, and the entire island got saved. And guess what, guys? This stuff still happens. My little sister Summer was a missionary all through her teen years. In one year, she was 18 years old. She went on a trip with Teen Mania for two months. She was 18, and she was in charge of 40 teenagers in India in a remote village three or four hours away from any city for two months all by herself. Golly. I think we underestimate our kids. Got to stick them out there on the mission field. Two months, she's the only adult. And someone literally, there's cobras. She said that every 15 or 20 feet, there was a live cobra den. And you don't go outside after dark. And one night, one of the villagers got bit by, the, by a king cobra. And they brought him in the tent with all these teenagers, these radical, they called them teen maniacs. <laughs> From teen mania, these radical little teenagers. My little sister and all her little missionary friends gathered around this villager who was going to die and laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he lived. And when he lived, the whole village got saved. You understand? Because there were no doctors and there was no cure and that dude is a dead man. Why am I telling you that story? Because this stuff is real. And it still happens. It happens for people that believe. See, this word saved, that it says those who believe and are baptized forever changed, they'll be saved. This word saved, it's the word sozo. Sozo, it's easy. You can never forget this one. S-O-Z-O. I have a friend that just named their new French bulldog Sozo. Anyway, it's blasphemy. But but we'll move on from there. They like the word. This is what it means. It means to be saved. It means to be healed. And it needs to be, means to be delivered. That's what this word means. Sozo means saved, healed, and delivered. It's, it's all inclusive. Now watch this. Watch this. Sozo has no time limit. It's outside of time. It means saved, past, present, and future. 
The salvation power of Jesus is so powerful that it can go back 20 years in your past and erase the penalty of your sin. It's so powerful that what you're dealing with right now, what you're stumbling with right now, that it can overshadow and rescue you out of the penalty of what you're dealing with right now, the sozo power of Jesus Christ. But what's even crazier is the sins you haven't even sinned yet. The ones you haven't dreamed up yet. That weak moment 15 years in your future when you're going through some kind of a crisis you never saw coming. It didn't surprise God. God saw the end from the beginning. He saw it coming and he planned ahead for your future sin. And he's already got your salvation there waiting. And all you have to do is confess and turn to him and repent. He says if you're faithful to confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you of your sins. There's no time limit. It's outside of the tents of time. It's in the everlasting, just like the Father. See, salvation is his name. Guys, salvation is his name. The name Jesus. In fact, this, this Ascension Day, when I looked it up in the Latin, it's, uh, it's Ascensio uh, yes, Yesu. Yesu is, is how you say Jesus. Yesu. Did you know that the name of Jesus didn't have a J until the Spanish got involved? It had an I or a Y. All the Spanish folk put the Jesus together, right? And now we call him Jesus. But his name is Yesu. In Japan, they call him Yesu. That's what they call him. It's his name. It means salvation. It means the Lord saves. That's his name. It's powerful. But, but the other thing that salvation has no boundary of is what part of you it attaches to. See, salvation is not only past, present, future. Past, it's also spirit, soul, and body. See, you may be in a place where you, you need that spiritual healing and that spiritual connection, and you connect into the righteousness of God to make you right spiritually with him, and we all need that. Some of us may be in a position where you desperately need God to step in and save you from unrighteousness, and that's the spiritual part of salvation. But some people stop right there, and the only thing they think salvation is for is for eternity one day. And it was just simply way bigger than that, guys. It's just way bigger than that. Because it's also for your soul and for your physical body. So salvation is for the healing of your physical body. Watch this. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus described the kingdom of heaven is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So your soul is your, your seatbed of your humanity where all of your emotions are kept. It's what, it's, it's what makes you, you're a spiritual being and you have a soul and you live in a body. That's how I was taught growing up in children's church. And your soul needs salvation because your soul is the part that can be tormented by the enemy, tormented with guilt, tormented with shame, tormented with fear, tormented with depression, tormented all through. There are people that literally, they've got the righteous part down, but they live in torment. They live in fear, anxiety, all type of soul disorders. That your world, your modern medical world just wants to medicate and have you pop a pill and just get by. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus cast out soul torment. 
because it was demonic. He understood it was demonic by nature. You can't medicate the demonic, y'all. In fact, I don't want to scare anybody, but the actual word for sorcery that's translated in the, in the New Testament for sorcery is the word pharmakeo in the Greek. And there's a whole lot of Americans that have been seduced into living a lifestyle where they're numb and they can't feel God. Do I believe in modern science? Absolutely. Do I believe in modern medicine? Absolutely. Do I believe that God uses that to help people? Absolutely. But I think you better pray about some stuff and don't just take a pill because you can find yourself down a rabbit hole 20 years. Some of you ladies that got to hear my wife's story, may, she may have told part of her story with battling through depression and battling through some of the demonic torment that she's dealt with coming from a family that was riddled with suicide and depression and anxiety and how the Lord brought her back. She was entrapped for, for a couple decades with the, the world's way of just dealing with depression and taking a pill and she wasn't herself for a couple decades and then God radically healed her. And she's not on any of that stuff anymore. And it's amazing what can happen when you come into a place. Come on, was the healing available for her? Yeah, it was. She just hadn't come to the place of recognizing and fully believing that she could be absolutely healed from all of that torment. And when the light bulb went on, she got healed. These signs will follow them that believe. Your physical body. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness for your spirit. Peace for your soul. Joy for your physical body. There's nothing that steals your joy like pain. Like sickness. Symptoms. And Jesus paid the price for you to be healed. My question for you today is simply this. Have you settled for less? Have you settled for less than everything Jesus purchased for you? And I want to urge you not to. I want to urge you to put your faith in him and to move into a place of radical faith where you understand that what it looked like for the disciples, and I don't have time to read you the story, but one of the very first pictures of what salvation looked like for other people outside, the, the first picture that we see in the New Testament, the book of Acts, where many people got saved, there was a sign and a wonder and a miracle that happened, and it was the gift of tongues and prophecy, and they all saw this miraculous sign, and they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then the next chapter, Peter and John are walking to pray at the temple, and they walk past a man who's, who was, was lame from birth. Forty years, he was a cripple. And he asked for money, and he looked at them expecting something when they turned around. And he said, Peter said, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. Watch. This was his altar call. This is how he introduced salvation. He said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he grabs his hand, and he lifts him up. And the guy starts jumping around. He's radically healed. And, and people get saved left and right because of a demonstration of salvation it's not expired it's not extinct it still happens today and we have to believe I'm going to give you a couple very practical things and I'm going to pray for you number one I want to encourage you to embrace total salvation and to increase 
your expectations. Yes, God. Some of us are living with expectations that are far too low for a limitless God. We've got to increase our expectations. Expect God to be who he says he is. But what if it doesn't work? Well, it's certainly not going to work with you not believing. Nothing's going to change if we don't change. Increase your expectations. Number two, see yourself as spiritual royalty. You have the best of God at your fingertips. Jesus' whole message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The authority of heaven is within your grasp. The dominion of the king is within your grasp. That's what Jesus' message was. Number four, change the way you pray. Don't pray groveling, begging, unworthy prayers. Muster up some new confidence in who you know God is and believe your salvation to be. And start making commands. Jesus made commands. He told things to happen. His disciples, they didn't say, hey, little buddy, do you have faith to get healed? He literally said, in the name of Jesus, get up. That's that's how he prayed. He saw himself as an heir to the throne of heaven, and he commanded things to happen. Jesus said that would happen if we believed. We've got to come to a place that we believe. And last but not least, don't live like a victim anymore. Don't live like a victim. You're not a victim. You're not a victim of circumstance. You're victorious. You may be dealing with circumstance right now, but the salvation power of Jesus is greater than the power of any circumstance. The name of Jesus is greater than any situation you're dealing with. And I want to encourage you to move into a place of of radical faith in the salvation power of Jesus. Amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.